You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. The past couple weeks, um, to be transparent today, the past couple weeks in in my family's life has been um, some of the toughest times uh, some of the toughest days I've ever faced, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest with you. And uh, as I was preparing for this weekend, I just kept asking God, like, God, what? I have things that I could talk about, but what am I supposed to talk about? God, what do you want to say? And uh, God just kept saying, I, I'll, I'll tell you when it's time. <laughs> and uh, so last night... Um, you know, my flesh was kind of hoping for a snow day today because I didn't, I didn't know what to say today. The only thing I knew for sure that I was supposed to tell you is that God is good. And I want to talk about that for a second. I have a few verses here. I don't have them on your notes because, like I said, I had these verses. I, uh, God put them on my heart this morning. Um, you know, it's easy to say God is good when things are good, when life is going good, Right? But how many of you have ever faced a trial or a tough time in your life when it was tough to say God is good? Yeah, right? But how do we, in those moments, still say God is good? How do we know for sure? How do we know when we've prayed and it didn't turn out how we wanted it to that God is still good? And that's what I that's what I want us to to talk about for a second because if you don't have if you don't have confidence in that in who Jesus is when trials come and you're faced with tough times the devil will come and he will say he will lie and say God is not good and if you don't know Jesus personally you'll believe him because what happens in the church world to try to make ourselves feel better and I've said these things is we like to say well God's in control so in one, one statement, we'll say God's in control, and then a little while later, we'll say everything happens for a reason. And on the, on, uh, those standing on the, on, by themselves sounds good, makes me feel good, helps me live with disappointment in my life or unanswered prayers, helps me move on, helps me heal in the natural. But what happens is then when crisis comes, we take those two and we put them together. And we say, because God's in control, everything happens for a reason. And that's a dangerous statement. Because if that's true, then God is a thief. He destroys and he kills. And that's not God. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the devil will say, God's got it. Everything happens for a reason, brother. Just trust it. And we put those together, and we've been believing a lie from the devil for years, and we don't even know it. And what happens is crisis comes, and then crisis comes, and then what happens? I thought I knew who God was. I thought God was good, but if he allowed this to happen, he must not be good. And now I don't even know who God is. That's a slippery slope. I don't even know who God is. I want to look at a few verses. And, and then we're going to wrap up. A few verses I want to look at. Number one is this. is, is found in James. James 1, 
verses 2 through 4. And if you want to turn to James 1, we'll come back to it later in the, in, at the very end. James chapter 1. And it says this. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that your faith is tested. Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I read the, the first verse, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I don't know about you, but my flesh is like, yeah, that's a bunch of baloney. Like, I don't want to consider it great joy. But God's word is pretty specific in not if, if troubles come, when troubles come. There's going to be a trial. There's going to be something that you're going to go through. There's going to be attack on your life or your family's life. Trials will come. But when it comes, I have a choice. Either I can choose to count it all joy in the fact that God is going to prove himself faithful and I, I have an opportunity for growth, or I can be discouraged and lay down and, and be defeated at the end of it. Trials will come. Why do trials come? That's what we said just a second ago. We have an enemy. John 10.10, 10, the devil, the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the only thing he does. So anything in my life that's been stolen, anything in my life that has destruction all over it, anything in my life that's been killed, what is it? It's an attack from the enemy. God's not the source of it. The enemy... Just to pull back the curtain here, this is how the devil works. The enemy fights with lies and deception. Lies and deception. The devil is a deceiver, and he knows if he lines up with you head on that he will lose. He knows he'll lose if he lines up with you head on. So what does he have to do? He has to lie, and he has to go back to deception. Think of it like this. If he has to lie and be deceitful, um, think about sports, right? Think about a football game. Anytime you see a team that's pulling out all the trick plays in the football game, usually what's happened, what? They're behind, and they're just trying to throw up a hope. Hey, we're hoping this trick play, this deception, this everyone's lined up over here and one guy's over here, what's going to happen? We're hoping the deception will allow us to get ahead. That's how the devil plays every day. Not just when he's behind. He's constantly behind because he's already been defeated by Jesus. His only option is to lie and pull trick plays. And when you understand that, you'll learn how to defeat the enemy. The second thing he does this. The devil works with consent and cooperation. And this is what we don't talk about a lot in, in modern day church. Consent and cooperation. The only way he can defeat you, listen to this, is to get you to agree with him rather than agree with God's word. The only way the devil can defeat you is to get you to agree with him and what? His lies. Rather than agree with God's word. In, in John chapter 8, it says that the devil is the father of lies. It's all he does. It's all he knows what to do. He's the father of lies. And I say that to say this, and this is going to be brief today, and I just want to share a story at the end. Let us not be 
a group of people that blame God for the attacks of the enemy. He's good. God is good. And for too long, people have, have when crisis happens, God, where were you? Why did you do this? Why did you steal that? Why did you take my loved one to heaven early? God receives your loved one into heaven. He does. But he's no thief. He's, he's no thief. But if we don't know how the devil works, then we'll blame God. And God loves us even when we blame him. What an amazing father. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, it says this. It says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, remember that word, enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. I want us to look at this for a second. God is good, and he does good. This verse says this, when you were enlightened. When you're a kid, I don't know about you, but I love things that glow in the dark. We had, a, um, we had these footballs and these basketballs that glue, like they would glow in the dark. And so we had a trampoline out back, and so we would wait, and we'd get our big mag light, you know, and it would be dark outside, and we'd light that thing up, you know, hold it. We'd have to hold it almost on the mag light flashlight and get it to glow really good, and then we'd go outside and play for, you know, five or ten minutes, and then eventually, well, it would lose its glow. Once it's not near the light source, it loses the glow. So we had to come back in, light it up, and then go back out, and we could play in the dark. And it rocked our world. It was amazing. We thought it was the best thing ever, right? We could, we could still play outside with a football or basketball at night. This is what happens with us. We're like that glow-in-the-dark football. Jesus is light. The book of John says the darkness could not even comprehend him. He's so much light. Our job is to be near the light source so what? I can soak him up, and when I, he sends me out on mission, I can reveal. It's not, I'm not the source. I've soaked his light up, and I can give it to other people. I'm a source of light to others because I've spent time with him. The longer I spend and the closer I am with him, the brighter I shine. But what happens? This is what he's saying. Enlightened. When you were first revelation, first man, God's so good. When you first had those moments of closeness with God, you're growing and maturing in the faith. What happens? You're being enlightened. You're drawing close to him. You're understanding him. You're closer than you've ever been. But when you leave God's presence in the sense of um, your, your personal time with him and you go and you're carrying him with you now, you've just become a threat to the enemy. Now you're, an, you're a threat. And just like warfare in the natural, what do you do? You take out the top dogs. If we're going to go to war, who am I going to take out? The leaders. Who, who has influence? Who's, who's putting courage into the other soldiers and saying, come on, man, let's go. We're not retreating. I'm going to take out that guy. And that's what the enemy does. That's what happens when I become enlightened. And this is why in James he says, when trials come. Why? When I draw close to God, I've just became a threat to the enemy. When I become a threat to the enemy, he puts a target on my back. God promises victory. He has promises for you. Yes, he does. But we're also in a war. And 
A lot of stuff happens in war. But let me show you this. When we are enlightened, what happens? You endure hard struggles with sufferings. Let me show you a, a practical, how this looks. Let's look at the back of the book of James really quick here before we go to the end. Let me just read it from here. It says this. James says, look, don't be deceived. He's talking about trials. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. That's what we talked about earlier. Trials come, and I say, God, what are you doing? Don't be deceived. That's being deceived. It's not from God. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. There it is. Who does not change like shifting shadows. I've read this verse a million times, but a couple years ago this became, I was enlightened <laughs> by what this verse means. Eddie, go ahead and put up that picture really quick. I don't know if you've ever seen something like this. So obviously you've seen a match before. But whenever you take a match and you light it and you hold it up and then you shine a flashlight on it, one of the things that I don't know why this never crossed my mind, but the flame doesn't cast a shadow because it's a light source. This is a picture of God and his goodness. Now let me reference this verse again. You can leave the picture up though. Every good, every perfect gift is from above. All God can produce is light and goodness. Every good, every perfect gift. Even when there's no light brighter than him, but even when there should be a shadow, because there's, there's another light coming over, there is no shadow. There's no way for a shadow to come from his presence. And this is what James is saying. It comes down, who, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is light, and God is good. And when we understand this concept, that look, no matter where God goes, he is the source of light. Then I realize that when trials come, I need to get some perspective. And I need to run to God in his goodness, in his good, faithful arms, and not run from him. As I wrap up today, I just want to share a story, and then we're going to do one last worship song, and then we'll get out of here um, and hopefully get you guys home safe and sound. To be transparent, I know a handful of you already know this about my wife Leslie and I, but um, Leslie and I have been trying to have more kids for five years. And um, at first it was confusing because we, we have a son, Gavin, right? And uh, it was confusing, and so we've been, to, we've been to every doctor. We've been checked out. We've done all the stuff. And every doctor basically looked back and said, you're a mystery. We don't know why. And for five years, we've stood in faith. And two weeks ago, I did a message, talked about the rope of faith, how when you ask, you have it, even though you don't have it in your physical hands. You have it by faith. And a few weeks before Thanksgiving, we had a, a, um, a moment of breakthrough. And uh, we had a positive pregnancy test. And you can imagine, um, after five years of waiting, 
one pregnancy test wasn't enough. Uh, we actually had like 10 positive preg <laughs> pregnancy tests because we, we were just so amazed and not surprised that God answered his prayer or answered our prayer, but just like we, our flesh needed more confirmation almost. And then a couple weeks ago, um, Leslie had her first doctor's appointment. And for us, we, we had told a few of our family members that, hey, we, we, you know, Leslie's pregnant, and, and uh, we had told Gavin. And we went, and we, uh, Leslie had a, a doctor's appointment. Everything checked out good. They actually had a ultrasound open up that day, which we had an ultrasound scheduled for a few weeks later, but um, they had one open up, and so Leslie went in to, to have an ultrasound, and there wasn't, they didn't see anything. I'm not going to get all the details, but it's, what's, it's, I don't even know if I pronounce it right, an ectopic pregnancy, abnormal pregnancy. So there was a fertilized egg in there. There was a child growing in there, but not where it was supposed to. It was growing somewhere else. And so that was on a Tuesday. And so we had the whole week to go to war because we just got some devastating news that, hey, look, this isn't a normal pregnancy. We have, to, we have to do some things to save Leslie's life, basically. If we don't act now, things can get really bad really quick for her. And so we said, hey, let us, we need to pray about our options. We understand what the doctor's saying, but what we've been saying all through our prayer series, God's word over any word. And so we got people around us, and we started praying, and we said, hey, let's do some more blood work. We need the levels to get up. We need her hormone levels to go up. We got them checked multiple times. Still, it's not, it's not looking good. We went and we said, can you give us one more ultrasound? Give us one more. Maybe you missed it. And as Leslie went into that last ultrasound, we, uh, we, we were going and we are just confessing God's word, speaking God's word. And as she went in there, I was expecting to hear, ah, uh, there it is. Or even better, we're believing for twins to make up for lost time. Hey, there they are. And the doctor said, there's nothing there. And at that point, we had to make a tough decision to get Leslie some medication to kind of reset everything. And we had to say goodbye in that moment to the answer that we had in our hands. You see, when I talked about the rope of faith... It's one thing to stand in faith when you don't get the answer. And that's tough enough, right? And I know people in here have faced sim very similar things and maybe even worse things. But what happens when you pull the rope of faith for years and you receive it and you have it? We have, I got 10 pregnancy tests that say we have the answer. God came through. But then for that to then be stolen. And never in my life have I had to come to the crossroads of, is God good or not? I believed God was good. 
But in that moment, the devil came with lies and deception as a snake in the grass. And he said, yeah, I don't know. He sure promised you a lot, but nothing happened. And at that moment, I know many of you have, many of you have faced a similar thing. I had to make a choice. Either God is good, and he's faithful, or I don't believe that. And I got to reevaluate some things. And I don't know. I don't know God at all then if I don't believe that. And so me and Leslie, through many tears and uh, tough conversations, and having to try to explain that to your seven-year-old son who has been praying for his baby siblings for years, the majority of his life, standing in faith with us, to have to tell him and walk him through that. It was the hardest few days of my life. But at the end of the day, me and Leslie, we came together with Gavin and we just said, I don't have all the whys. I don't have all the answers. But we believe that God is good. One of the things that was brought, the Holy Spirit brought back to my remembrance, I attended a funeral several years ago. It was for a, a well-known pastor in the area, and his wife died from cancer. This guy's a pastor. He travels all over the place. He's well-known. And I remember him there with all of his adult kids, and they're at the funeral of his wife, and they sang that old cheesy song, uh, God is good all the time, you know? God is good. All the time. You know what I'm talking about? I can't sing, but you get, you get the point. And I watched him stand and sing that song and clap his hands and have a smile on his face while he's saying, God is good. Yet his wife's body is laying there in the casket. I remember sitting there thinking there as a, as a young adult, I just thought, how, how can he do that? How can he say that? But it challenged me because I said, I want to know Jesus like he knows Jesus. Because he knows something I don't. Because I don't know if I could be singing that right now. But without even ministering to me personally, he did years ago. Because I was going to pick up Gavin from school just this past week. I turned that song on. I found it on Spotify. And I cranked it up. And I sang it, and I had it on repeat. Me and Gavin sang it together. Never a doubt. Never a doubt. But once you make that decision, now you have to move on. And not forget, necessarily, because we're, we're commanded to remember things in our lives so that we can persevere, we can mature from it. But now I have a decision to make. I can either lay down here and stay here for the rest of my life, heartbroken. Or I can get up, get back on my feet, get my eyes back on Jesus. I know this isn't proper to say in church, but say, devil, this is being transparent, okay? Devil, you pissed off the wrong guy. You pissed off the wrong guy.
and I'm going to run harder than I've ever ran. And because of that, he's going to second guess every touch of my family again. Why? Because I know God's good. He's the light giver. There's no shadow in him. Why would I run from that? I'm going to run to the light. More of his goodness, more of his power in my life. And I'm going to get after that devil like never before. And our next days are our best days. And the promise is still coming. I haven't dropped the rope. We're believing for more. And that's why we're believing for, hey, we're believing for twins. All right, devil. God's going to come through. And here in a short while, I'll stand up here and we'll announce it together, me and Leslie. God is faithful. God is good. And there's never a doubt in my mind. And I know, can I say, I don't know what you've been through in detail. But I just pray, my, my, my heart today was just to, if you've been through something and you haven't been able to let it go, today's your day. If you've been through something and you've doubted, is God good because we prayed and nothing happened? Can I tell you, today's the day to sing it out and to, to confess, God, you're good. If you've been somewhere and you got knocked down and you haven't left that place and it was years ago, you haven't had the strength to get up and to get back on your feet and to get back after that devil, today's your day. And you don't have to get up alone. That's what church is for. That's why we're here today. You don't have to get up alone. We're going to sing one last song. And this is an old song, and I think it's been redone probably a million times. But it's called, God, You're So Good. And that's basically the whole lyrics, okay? But I want to to encourage us. Would you stand on your feet, actually, right now? We're going to sing this last song, and then we're going to dismiss. But today, make this your prayer. Sing this out like you mean it. And whether you're going through something tough or you've been through something tough or maybe life's pretty good, confess it now. So when the trials come, as James says, you'll know God is good. He is faithful. And he has your back. Let's take a moment. Let's worship together and then we'll dismiss. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.